Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Um, we're only eight Mondays away from the start of the college basketball season, so we're able to start ticking off the days as we get closer, and we're starting to see more of the schedules uh, start to roll out. We're starting to see more college basketball news start to make start to make appearances and more related to the season than some of the off season realignment, whatever else that's happening. Um, and we do have a special guest today, uh, Portland head coach, Shante Leggins, um, recorded an interview with him a few days ago. So I, that will be part of uh, this episode. So really, really hope you're looking forward to that. And we'll also dive into Portland a little bit more as I get into that. Uh, both St. Mary's and USF released their schedules uh, over the last few days. So we'll got, dive into that as well. Uh, but I want to start this episode talking about a uh, report Seth Davis uh, put out on Monday uh, that highlighted Fox Sports reaching out to a number of the power conferences in the hope of developing a postseason tournament for college basketball tournament uh, that largely is like it's going to supplant the NIT. So. Again, only major conferences involved. They reached out to the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve. Uh, this it's sixteen team uh, tournament that would take place in Las Vegas for teams who did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they would try to somehow house this in between the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Uh, it would require them to reject an NIT invite as well, and. This is, I think, one of the items that has had a lot of college basketball fans concerned, including myself, that all the realignment, all the movement and chasing the big TV deal gave so much power to the networks to dictate who they wanted to see on their networks. And competition be damned on that front it's about it's about the name brand on on these schools and this is a prime example of of that again they reached out to to a few of the power conferences in college basketball the big east big 10 big 12 and this is a this is a warning sign i think for the rest of college basketball especially anyone who's in a mid or low major conference that this is this has been the potential red flag all along with realignment that could it could the day come when they somehow shove all the mid majors and low majors out of the picture altogether and just make a tournament of their own without any of the rest of the the smaller schools without any Eliminating Cinderella, eliminating what really made college bas what makes college basketball great, what makes the NCAA tournament great. And there is a danger to this. And I actually was thinking about this tournament and competitively, I think actually the NIT would be probably better without those mediocre power conference schools. Because you're still going to have a lot of these, uh, co- a lot of these not not the auto bid sorry but the uh your regular season t- uh conference champions from these mid-major 
uh, leagues that didn't get into the tournament, they're going to have a chance to really have their own. But to an extent of like, that's kind of what the idea of like the CBI was just a few years ago, or the CIT was just a few years ago before they went uh, belly up. And you and this just this just feels gross. This feels just like an attack on the soul of sports in general. It's not even just college sports. Like this this goes against competition. This goes against uh doing what is right for right for the sport. This is about dollars. This is about the TV revenue. This is for nothing else. This is greed. And I get that that's where college sports has gotten to this point. I get that that's the capitalistic way that um, our society runs. And that's that there, maybe this was an inevitability. Maybe that's what this was, but, and, and you can't look at this as small picture. Oh, this only impacts the NIT. If it works and the enough eyeballs are on this lower tiered tournament this is a blueprint to then use for the for the bigger conferences again to say we don't need the NCAA we will make our own tournament without the mid majors without the little the little schools and even like as as much as i say that like guess what at the moment that also includes gonzaga because they are still part of the WCC. I mean, who knows? Maybe if like they all like all those power conference schools, they take Gonzaga with them because of the notoriety that they have at this point. But we haven't seen them outside of the Big East with what the Big East is doing. We haven't seen them really include any non-football school in this conversation or like no, no non-football school has joined the Big 12. No non-football school has joined the ACC. This is there's a danger here, and I you cannot overlook what this potentially could be. Now the reports say, like, oh, this is still a ways out. This is not something that would happen immediately, or that they're even relatively close to what this might look like. But this is a giant red flag and should be for every college basketball fan. And and of course, one of those things that has been talked about as well as has been everything that's been happening with the Pac-12 because it's somewhat related to that because obviously the Pac-12 is not included in this because there won't be a Pac-12 uh, come next year, or there might be because of the way Oregon State and Washington State um, have been actually really fighting for their life, really. And um, I don't know if many of you saw the news uh, last week uh, that they had. Uh, filed for a restraining order against the other schools because the other schools were looking to not only meet uh, to potentially vote on some conference-related issues, which they shouldn't be able to do because they said that they were leaving. But as I saw, I think it was a Nicole Auerbach report uh, that it was not only that they were going to meet, they were going to meet about how to break up the remaining funds that the Pac-12 holds to cover their exit fees and cover their transitional costs. And 
And the court did rule on Monday that there that yes, Washington State, Oregon State, we're going to get that um, restraining order held so that they cannot meet those. The other ten schools cannot meet um, at least for the time being while they try to figure this out. So I think that I mean I I really hope this goes well for Washington State, and Oregon State. I feel terrible the fact that they've kind of been left holding the bag of the Pac-12 and they're going to have to rebuild in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if they're going to be able to poach the Mountain West, which probably makes a lot of sense. I don't know if they poach some, try to poach some of the WCC. Who knows? There's a lot of piece, moving pieces here. And I know this is Pac-12 news, and I typically only cover WCC or whatnot. Uh, but I but I felt like that was just interesting enough and connected to this whole to this whole Fox Sports tournament, which has a realignment esque. Uh, connection. So bringing back the Pac-12 because I, because I'm dead set on backing Oregon State, Washington State on this one because they've gotten the raw end of the deal, and I really do feel for their fans, their alums, um, who have been left out in the cold at this point. All right, so I'm going to start. I will get transition. We'll get back into WCC basketball and. So as I mentioned, um, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna play the interview f- with uh, Shantae Leggins in a little bit, and I Portland. I have been one of the people who has also kind of had Portland kind of like on my back burner. They're in that lower tier. There's Gonzaga, St. Mary's. There's USF, Santa Clara, LMU. I think there's Portland, and then there's Pepperdine, San Diego, and uh, Pacific. So I do think that there's kind of like a little bit of a tier to Portland. In this is in this weird spot. Where I I don't think that they're going to be as bad as those others as those other three, but I don't know how close they are to the likes of LMU, USF, Santa Clara, because they too, like a lot of those other programs, had a lot of turnover uh, this past off season. You lost Moses Wood, you lose Mike Meadows, uh, you lose a number of guys off that roster, uh, but it's not like nobody comes back off this team. Uh, Tyler Robertson is coming back, and he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, Juan Sebastian Gorsito, he returns. So, like, that's a, that's a sophomore who is going to, I think, going to still be a really good impact guy for that for that team. And the one I'm probably most excited to see is the return of Chris Austin. Uh, missed all of last year. He got he got hurt right at the end of the season two years ago and just took him out all of last year. And I, I think it's just going to be really exciting to kind of see what he can do. That was a 15, 16 point per game guy. Um, and that's going to be a huge boost to this team, especially when, again, you lose Moses Wood and that team last year just got, was snake bitten all year long. You, we saw what the potential could have been early on in the year, they had North Carolina on the ropes. They beat Villanova. And yes, those two programs weren't as good, <clears throat> weren't as good as we have seen them in years past. But that's still early on in the season when those teams still had higher expectations. That was a big deal. That was a really big deal for for not only for Portland, but then also the WCC because that really kind of showed that this program was moving in the right direction. 
but then injury after injury after injury, and they were never really whole at any point uh, last year. So I think this Portland team is going to be fascinating to watch going into the year. I think this Portland team is, I don't know if it primed to make a jump, but everyone's kind of like forgotten about them a little bit, myself included. It's They might go under the radar like they did a couple of years ago, and they might surprise some people. Uh, but we'll see how that all goes. So uh, with that, let's get into it and and talk with uh, Portland head coach uh, Shante Leggins. Uh, Coach Leggins, how was your how was your summer? What um, and how how's the uh, first few weeks of the school year been? Summer was good. Um, summer was great. It was a uh, it was a summer where you do a lot of reflection after last season, and so you know we you know got to sit back and see some of the things and and you know um, try to get better from from what you know that season came. Uh, so we got to do that, and you know it was, it was exciting because you know we got some guys in here with the, you know, the shooting capabilities and different things that I like. So it was exciting with hanging with the team and being with the team this summer. We had a lot of fun. Um, I think we got better and I'm looking forward to, you know, hanging out and my, my family and I, we did, you know, a couple trips here and there, but um, they're all in on, on being part of this, uh, you know, this journey with us. So, you know, I got my kids are always hanging out every day out here. So it was, it was a good time. It was a good family, family environment this summer. And I really uh, appreciate the summer from all the guys and the coaching staff. Yeah, and and there were a lot of lot of changes over the summer, of course, because you had a lot of guys uh, move on. You brought a lot of new guys in. Um, I'm going to start with last year. Just you guys had so many challenges, faced so many challenges a year ago. Whether because it seemed like every time it turned around, another guy went down with an injury, yeah. another key guy went down with an injury, and your rotation just kept having to change all year <laughs> long. And early on, it was like there was so much excitement because you guys played so well in the uh, the PK tournament. You get that yeah. win against. Um, against Villanova, you went toe to toe with UNC, and and then it just seemed like what could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah. And just kind of talk about just just what you learned from that season, and maybe for some of the guys who have come back, what's the what's kind of like their mindset as they try to go into this coming season? Well, it was a humbling season, you know. That's that's what I said. You know, I, you know, we didn't uh, as a team, as a staff, we didn't handle like the the early success in the season um, with some big wins. We didn't handle the, the, the turnaround that we had the year before very well. And um, you know, again, you compound it with injuries and different things like that. It's, it really puts you in a tough spot and we were in a tough spot. And I, I, you know, you know, I sat back with Tyler cause he was with me at Eastern and we did a lot. We've been together for a while. So we got to talk a lot on the season and there was just some things we had some slippage and we had some things that um, you know, we haven't encountered before we've encountered injuries, but not like the, like, not like we had last year, you know, we had two guys that would play massive minutes, one sitting out, the other one had to redshirt. That was, uh, you know, unexpected. He had, he had games without Tyler and Moses together. And yeah. so, you know, those aren't excuses though. And so what, what, what you do is you build a program and you have depth. We didn't have great depth last year. And, and then you have some injuries of Mike Meadows and different things like that throughout this, this that last season. And so it puts you in a, those are six, those are five guys that you were planning on playing major minutes, right? And they were in and out yeah. of the, the, the lineup. And so, um, but, you know, you, you learn from that, you know, that was, that's a learning experience. I, you know, I'm, I'm particularly, you know, I'm kind of still of a young coach, if you'd like to say, you know, early in my, you know, coaching career, at least as a head coach. And, and so you learn a lot of new things and sometimes you have to take some really bad bruises along the way, but they heal. 
Um, it took a whole summer and maybe a couple days. Um, but you know, you, you sleep and you wake up and, um, you know, you have the right people around you and, and, and you keep pushing forward. It's the same thing that I told Tyler. I said, Hey, we're going to build a team. It's going to be a good team. We're going to have length. We're going to have size. We're going to have some depth. So you don't have to play 40 minutes a game where you can play your best basketball. So that's, that's one of the things that we did this year. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's what we worked on this summer is just, you know, conditioning, just, you know, working on our bodies, you know, sometimes you get some freak injuries and you have to deal with them. But I think all in all, I think it was a good summer for us. And I think, you know, it was, it was good just to have some reflection time because um, last year was new, it was new for, you know, it was new for me. And uh, I think we did a good job of really hitting the reset button and coming in ready to work. Yeah, and, and you do have a good score of at least of like of some of those returners. You talked about Tyler Robertson already, but I, like one of the guys that I feel like sticks out in that group is the return of Chris Austin because he was a guy yeah. you missed all of last year and got hurt at the end of obviously the year right before. Um, yeah. What how like talk about like his recovery and what he's been able to like work on during the summer to try to get back uh, in the game shape as we get closer to the season. Well, I, I thought last year. Um... We could have we could have got him in maybe the second half of a WCC player maybe even the beginning but I, I just felt that you know for for him um, you know for his career past you know University of Portland I thought it would be best hey, you know let him let him keep healing let him keep getting stronger you know the, the injury he had it, it's it's you know he's it's a broken bone but the way he broke it and it's a mental thing right and so like he's he had to sit out. And, didn't have a lot of, you know, strengthening. So different muscles would hurt on him, you know, daily. And so my whole thing with him was, you know, let's just get you all the way and let's get you right for October. You need to be ready for November 6th. And he looks amazing. You know, he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. If you, if you guys have, if you guys know Chris, um, he's one of those guys that didn't miss a beat in the weight room, didn't miss a beat in conditioning. Um, he's one of our leaders. So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's one of our tough guys. He's one of our best defenders. He's one of our better guard rebounders. And so you miss him all last year, even though you think you're going to have him, you know, you miss him all last year. And, and it was, um, it was kind of tough, um, but having him and having him practice and work out, I mean, he, he took this, I mean, he, he didn't go home uh, during summer break. He just stayed here, worked out, worked on his school stuff um, and just, you know, was excited about, this season, you know, and I think he's really itching to get back there. And, and he, I thought he did a good job this summer. It's going to be huge to have him back. That's a that's a big piece for us because he he did a lot of things for us. I mean, he averaged 15 points the year before. You yeah. Know? Um, and, you know, he did a lot of things for us. He guarded the other team's best players at times. You know, he had key rebounds. I mean, he did things that um, that we missed last year. And I think his leadership by example, he's not the loudest guy, but you're going to follow Chris Austin. You know, he, he does a He does a great job. He's good in the classroom. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's not, he's not a BS type of guy. He's not, you know, who Ron and all that kind of stuff. He's ready to go. And all the guys are, they follow that sometimes by example. Yeah. You have, I mean, anchored by those two, just couple of vets, just seeing Chris Austin be able to like come back and seeing Tyler Robinson come back. Obviously it's huge for uh, the program, but someone who almost got a lot of opportunity last year, who, may not have had the injuries not happen was uh, Juan Sebastian Gorosito. Yeah. And just kind of talking about like, just because we saw him get better and better <laughs> last year as, as we go in through conference play. And uh, just talk a little bit about him as we go into this this year. All right. They like, he likes to be called Juanze. Juanze. Juan and Sebastian together yep. and he just says Juanze. So you got to make sure. Juanze. Juanze. If you ever hear me calling Sebastian, that means he, he's ready to, he's ready to fight me. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, he, 
he was a guy um, that just got better every game, um, every practice. Uh, he's a guy that has no fear in anything. He's excited to play this. He can't wait for this season. I mean, again, another guy that only went back to Argentina for 10 days, you know, see his family. He came right back. He wanted to be here for summer school to get ahead. Um, but he's put on some muscles in the weight room. I mean, he looks great. He's quicker. He's now jumping. He's got more explosiveness. Um, his change of speed, if you watched him last year, he just looked like the road runner out there. And so he's changed his speeds a little bit. He's gotten much better at that. But then the thing he does, that's one of the best things that, um, you know, I, I, I can't shoot the ball. He's one of the best shooters in the country, not just our league in the country. I mean, the things he does when people come in here and watch him from, you know, other scouts and, you know, teams that seen him play and, and you got, you know, NBA guys come through here and check our guys out before they go to the Blazers. They say he's one of the best shooters they've seen. And so um, he's gotten a lot better. You know, I'm, I'm hoping there's no sophomore slump with him. Um, I don't think there will be, but he he's one of those guys that has, has really, you know, taken leaps and bounds steps over this summer. I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, this season. Yeah, and you – you have a few other guys that are come that are coming back as well, but you also had to bring in a ton of guys um, from from the portal. Uh, who are some of the guys that you're that you think are going to be able to make impacts early on um, in the season? And then maybe who who are some names that we should really watch out for? Um, we got Bukash and Masich, uh, who sat out last year, uh, over coming over from Maine again. Another guy that I thought would you know, probably be one of our starters last year. Uh, but he had to sit out due to NCAA rules, um, second transfer and all that kind of stuff. And so he he came in, he, he got to practice with us all season long. He's really good. And so I'm excited about watching him play. You know, we brought some guys in, um, you know, from different schools. Uh, the kid from West Virginia State, Noah Jordan, he's going to really help us. I mean, he's about six, seven and a half. I mean, he shot over 40% career three-point shooter. He's a rebounder. He played a lot of five for his team because he's just bigger, uh, but he's a wing. Um, Uto coming over from Lamar. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that was one of the top 100 defensive rebounds and top, you know, 50 offensive rebounding guys per minute in the country. Uh, did That's a lot doing as a freshman. Um, I really like the pickup of Ollie uh, from, you know, I'm not trying to kill their last names. Um, <laughs> Ollie, Ollie from uh, Cal Poly. He's done so many things this this you know this 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 year with us so far that makes you you know think like we got we got a nice we got some nice pieces and then Big V in the middle it's his third year uh, Vasilia it's his third year with us and so yeah you know when you have a third year with us um, you know especially at that position because that's a very important position for my the way I like to do things <clears throat> you know if you look at how we've used our guys in the past they've become really good that third year. And so we're hoping he takes a big jump for us. He's shooting the ball better from the perimeter. He's a little bit more confident. So you got those guys. And you then you bring over a kid that um, didn't play a lot his first two years in college. He registered his first year and then, you know, had the opportunity to play last year at the University of Miami is Thomas uh, Oosterbrook. And uh, he's somebody, he's about 6'8", but he's playing any position on the floor for us. And he shoots the ball. He could handle and pass it, I think. You know, you got some guys that, you know, really went under the radar in the portal, um, you know, and, and you look at it and you're thinking, OK, well, we got this group of guys and and, you know, what how's it going to look? And, and then you see them this summer and they all play with the edge and the chip on their shoulder because they have a lot to prove, especially the guys that were here the year before. You know, um, that's not a year 14 and 19 is not a year that, um, you know, you're, you're never excited about, you know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And so. You know, you had some of the guys exit with the, you know, transfer portal, but we brought some guys in, I think, that really helped our, you know, our defensive capabilities, our rebound capabilities, but also didn't slow us down in the shooting. 
you know, I think uh, that's one of the things we love to do is shoot. I think we brought in some guys that could really shoot the ball. And so excited about that. And and I think I didn't miss anybody, I don't believe, um, <clears throat> especially if you're talking about transfers and, and, and yeah. guys that were here last year. And I mean, again, like there's, there was so much movement and really across the conference, like a lot of teams in the league had to really rebuild. Gonzaga had the rebuild. USF had the rebuild. LMU, Santa Clara, you guys all, a lot of, a lot of the teams in the league had the rebuild as you've kind of like started to see like what some of the other teams in the league have been able to do. Like how, how are, how is that kind of like, like, how are you feeling about like going into the league of just seeing like really just the the names and the guys who have come in um, on league wide. Well, shoot, the league's done a great job. You know, I always look at it and I, you know, if, you know, I'm looking at it all constantly. It's just something I, I keep refreshing. A lot of teams aren't putting up their rosters yet. You know, very smart. They're keeping their rosters and they have some open spots. It's just what, you know, some guys do, but you look across the league and you see teams that have built, you see teams that have lost guys to the portal. Um, you see teams that have, you know, got a whole like Santa Clara, but in a whole new, you know, they lost their whole starting five pretty much. And they brought in some guys that are pretty good guys that we looked at. And, and uh, you look at that and you look at how, um, you know, he's done a great job. Herb has done an amazing job. And his staff have done an amazing job of always, you know, you know, retooling and getting the right guys for their system and how they play. You know, you look down at LMU and they've done a good job of getting some guards. You know, they lose. They lost one of the best guards in the league last year. You know, he had a great year, but he's brought in some you know, at least three really good guards, I think, you know. And so you, you're looking at that and you see, okay, they they did a great job of rebuilding their, their backcourt, you know, getting some guys in there that they think that's going to be pretty good. They also got a big kid from Cal that has, you know, massive size. Um, you know, he can really, you know, he actually moves his feet well and does a lot of good things. And, you know, you look at St. Mary's, you know, they brought on some good freshmen that are pretty good, but they also got some guys that didn't play a lot last year, like the Jefferson kid and, you know, getting – getting Dukas back for another year is, is really huge. And, and, you know, being able to bring out another guard, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good guard, you know, so they, they, they got better this, uh, this summer. You could also look at, you know, San Francisco, what they've done, they've done a good job. They've, they've went and got some kids that um, are really good. They're going to impact their roster right away. And you, you can just go up and down the list. Gonzaga does what Gonzaga does every year. They go and get some really good players. They just lost a kid, I believe. Um, but I don't think they were too worried about losing him. Um, but you know, uh, they got, they got some guys out there that are really good, you know, and you know, they, they're always going to, you know, they're always going to get you know, the cream of the crop. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, what we've done and I always look at what we've done compared to everybody else, I like what we've done. You know, um, I've always had teams where, you know, they've been overlooked a little bit and, and okay, well, we're going to do this. And, and, uh, you know, Pacific Pacific's brought on some really good guys. Uh, San Diego, I think is the only team that really didn't bring in a lot of transfers, but the freshmen they brought in and some of the guys they have brought in are really good. And so, um, you know, that's, that bodes well for them, you know, in the, you know, as, as they go there, I mean, they could bring in some really stud freshmen because there's some, there's a lot out there, you know? And so you, you look at that and, and uh, you're like, okay, well, you know, they, they went the route where they're going to have some youth. And so every team has gotten better this summer. And so you look at our league, I thought last year our league was really good. I think this year it's going to be even better. And so I'm really excited about the opportunity to compete. Yeah, it really seems <laughs> like that, especially over the last, like, just few years that, that everyone has, like, really stepped up their game. And and it's really just been almost a gauntlet starting to go through this league. And obviously, even down BYU, I don't think the league has taken a huge step backward, even though obviously BYU is still a 
a big a big loss for for the league competitively. It's a loss. Uh, it's a loss a little bit, but you know, um, you know, I think the the league's doing a good job of of figuring out what they want to do next. From what I've been hearing, so I'm excited about what what may happen. Yeah. So. So we talked about a little bit of the challenges of the portal and just like, obviously like everyone across college basketball has had to deal with a lot of the same, um, the same challenges and trying to do the best they can. Um, but we've also seen, and I want to talk to the Cal alum in you, the, the Cal, the former Cal player in you about just the, the re, some of the, the transfers of conferences and the fact that obviously we've seen what happened to the PAC 12 and Cal going to the ACC and, I know personally because like I I grew up here in the Bay Area watching Cal and Stanford from the time I was little. It's like seeing them in seeing the Pac-12 dissolve like it did. Yeah, oh. it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. Yeah. It did. It did. It it really did. I mean, it's it's a West Coast conference, right? It's the flagship West Coast conference. You know, um, it's one of the Power Five West Coast conferences. You know, and so that kind of puts a you know it it, it you know it it takes away. A little bit of that West Coast mystique, you know. Oh, we don't stay up late to watch your games, all that yada 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 stuff. And and you hear it now because a lot because the WCC, you know. And so you know now now we may be the, the the primary West Coast conference in the Mountain West. And so that's that's you know that's a good thing. You got to look at the how it shook out and how it you know shakes out for us. You know, we're we're, we're going to be able to go up and down the West Coast now and grab kids that wanted to go to those schools that want to be a part of a West Coast conference. It's great, you know that you know some guys want to play nearby, and it just it stinks because, you know, I played in the Pac-10, you know, and then when it got to the Pac-12, all this Pac-10 guys said, ah, it's weak. Those two teams, and, you know, now it's it's not even a, you know, it's not even a league. I don't think anymore. I think, you know, Oregon State and Washington State are trying to hold on strong and, and try to figure it all out. But it, it's tough because, you know, that's what you grow up watching. You know, you grow yeah. up, I grew up watching all the Pac-12 games and Pac-10 games, and, and it's it's just a, it's just a reminder, you know, you gotta, you gotta move on and be ready with the times because it's not slowing down for anybody. Um, and you know, when, you know, all the, all the, the moaning and the, and the, and the sadness, you just gotta, it, next year it's going to be totally different. So, um, you know, it, it kind of stinks because, you know, you're not going to get that, you know, that, that Cal USC game. You're not going to get, you know, that, 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 that special game. Like, you know, they had mm -hmm. a great game against, you know, Arizona state. And, you know, I remember all those games as a player. You know, those are games that, you know, you think about, you know, people that from the West Coast that went down to those schools. Now it's not going to have those, you know, those those little rivalries you had. You know, I know that they're saying that Oregon is going to keep the matchup with Oregon State and Washington State is going to keep up this, with Washington. That's mm -hmm. only going to be for so long. You know, I, I think so. I think that's at, by the by the time they're going to have to figure out, you know, how, how they're going to play those games. But I just don't see that happening for for too long. And so you're just going to miss the Pac-12. But. Um, you know, I think I think some things are going to be in the move where some things are going to happen where, you know, well, there'll be a good West Coast Conference, you know, especially uh, I love Pac-12 football. I, I don't know what else I could you know, I, That's going to that's that's the hardest thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a West Coast basketball guy now, um, but, you know, West Coast Conference guy. But now I'm a, I'm a big Pac-12 football, you know, I uh, love watching those games on Saturday whenever those matchups come because they all know each other and it just makes yeah. it a little bit uh a little bit more. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, trying to see what it's going to be like, you know, USC versus, you know, somebody that's not in the Pac-12, you know, yeah. so deep in the season. Yeah, that 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 longtime rivalry of Rutgers and USC in the in the Big Ten. I guess they're going to fight about the Scarlet Red. I have no idea what they're going to what they're going to, you know, what 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 game is that going to be on? You know what what are they going to be playing for? You know, that's the tough part. At least USC UCLA will still get a 
chance to go at it in California. That might be the, the marquee game of the year every year for Californians. Maybe it's all, maybe it's the few like non-conference games that they get. They'll just stick with each other and play each other that way. But to your point, like, yeah, maybe that's just a short-term thing and who yeah. knows how long it'll actually last. It's going to, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all works out. You know, I'm sitting back and that's going to be something to watch in itself. You know, I'll be entertaining to see how they all figure this out. You know, not see, not just for the football, but for, the, you know, for softball teams, for the swimmers, for the track, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how it all shakes out. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's just something I want to see how it all works. So one thing I'd like, so you mentioned it's like somehow all the other sports work. I mean, the rest of Portland athletics has some really good athlete, really good teams. Like both the soccer programs are rolling. The baseball team does really well. well who, when you get a chance, when you're able to actually get out there, like what's, what's the most fun at a, at a non-basketball event that you have at Portland? Well, man, they're all pretty good, man. Like if you go to our women's team, they play a style of basketball that, you know, it's, it's rare you see, right? They're pressing, they're causing turnovers. They got all game long for 40 minutes. And that's something, you know, I, I, I've even picked up some of the stuff. You'll see some of the stuff we do this year. It's going to, it's going to not, it's not going to be exactly how that works, but you know, it's fun to watch them play. Coach Meeks is a really good coach. And then you go and watch our soccer team. We're third in the country. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, the last game we went and watched and our team goes to all these games, they scored in the first like 17 seconds of the game. And, and, you know, he does a good job with his team. He's a UCLA guy. He was there for a while, a coach, uh, Nick, and then our women's team, obviously they, they did a great job last year and they're coming back and battle. They just tied Oregon state at Oregon state. Um, but what's funny is they just want to keep, they want more. And like, ah, it wasn't a good game for us. And it's fun to, you know, have this camaraderie with our coaches around here. It's, it's been great. Like being able to go out and watch them play. And then, you know, when it comes around baseball, I like watching baseball and, and coach Looney does an amazing team, amazing job with his team. And, you know, all the athletes here are, are so, you know, for each other and the coaches are too. So it's, it's been a special community. I wasn't, when I took the job, wasn't expecting that. Um, and so that part of this gig has been, has been a blessing in disguise because, you know, we're there rooting for them. They root for us. And I, I go to all the events, you know, I live right down the street. I live a three minute walk. So, um, my kids and my wife, we come to all the events. It's fun. Our players go and check them out. So our soccer teams, though, are, right now that they're in they're in play right now, they're mm-hmm. they're unbelievable to watch. And Nick's done an amazing job with his team. I mean, they're they're number three. If they go on the road and beat Virginia Tech this weekend, and a couple teams lose it. We have the number one soccer team in the country, you know. And so that I mean that in itself is pretty pretty cool. And so yeah. um, just being around and seeing how they be, you know, how they're able to do things. We got to pick our stuff up according. You know, from what I'm looking at, everyone's balling. We got to start balling a little bit. Everyone else is balling. We got to get there. And so it's been fun watching these guys. And it also gives us motivation, you know. Um, you know, looking at our school, we, you know, we're tucked away here in Portland. Everybody always looks over, you know, overlooks us. And, and you know, oh, we got these teams. And Santa Clara's really good at soccer. And our, our team's up there now. And and our, our athletic department has done a great job. Scott Lakeham has done an unbelievable job of uh, directing us and putting us in the right positions to be successful. We're getting everything we need here. Random connection. Uh, Scott was one of my old professors at St. Mary's. Really? Once upon oh, a time. He tells me all these old schools used to be at the worst one, Stanford. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just disgusting. It's sickening um, that he used to think. <laughs> um, we did lose connection with there with Shante. Um, but again, I wanted to thank him one more time uh, for being able to take some time, hop on and talk some Portland uh, pilots basketball. And, you know, it's like, 
after talking with them, like I do think like there's there's more to this Portland team than maybe I originally thought. Um, I am kind of a little bit more. There are a couple pieces on this team that I'm very interested in um, in really seeing go. Uh, Yudo Yamauchi uh, Williams, seven foot center. He's the he's uh, one of the transfers, obviously that um, uh, Shante had uh, Coach Leggins had talked about. Uh, averaged 7.7 rebounds last year. He did play um he did play Pacific a year ago and had 10 points, 15 rebounds against the Tigers. Uh so there is a like opponent there and then also had a 19 rebound game against uh, Southeastern Louisiana. So this is a guy again Portland is one of those teams that really over the last few years just has not had a consistent big guy, has not had someone who could just eat up boards um and this is this is the type of player that could really help them in that department, really help them on the size front because this is a conference that just has some just some beef, some really tough guys down low. We know what Gonzaga always brings. We know what St. Mary's brings. Uh, USF, Santa Clara, and LMU all brought in some legit size uh, into the season. So it's going to be critical to see what portland does in the post at the very least like being able to clean up the rebounds and everything else because that is going to be a uh sticking point and a huge key uh going into the year so i mean just thinking about what where that program is because we look we think about them just a few years back and this was an awful terrible program i mean this that was a program that was lucky to win a handful of games a year. I mean, they won all of what? I think it was four conference games in a three-year span. Uh, and then uh, Shante Leggins comes in and, and, and essentially turns that program around in a year. Uh, got them the 19 wins. They looked like they were moving in the right direction. Last year, like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Uh, but the fact that everything could go wrong did go wrong, and they only were a game or two out of fifth place uh, being in the middle of the league, I think says something about just uh, that coaching staff. And then also the, the guys that are coming back. I'm like, I'm not going to doubt Tyler Robertson at all. That that dude is a baller. He's a triple-double machine. Or maybe not triple-double machine, but like that dude just fills up the stat sheet um, and does what it takes to to help his team win. So, so as we start to look at and move move toward getting closer to the season, we do have a few more of the schedules that have come out. Um, I'll start with USF, who announced their full schedule, non-conference schedule, and everything uh, just last week. And they have I, it's a really solid uh, non-conference schedule. I like the games against. They have Fresno State on December 22nd. All right, actually, I'll flip this, and I'll start going in chronological order. Uh, Boise State, they're going to be at Boise on November 12th. That's a huge game for them um, and another a real good get for uh, head coach uh, Chris Gerlefson. Grand Canyon is another one of those games where they're going to have to head. They're going to head down to Arizona for that one. Uh, Grand Canyon is a really good a really good program. That'll be a great test. Uh, they have Minnesota at the Chase Center, but Minnesota was awful. I think that that looks better by name than it is by opponent. Uh, then they then they're going to be on the road for both uh, Arizona State, Vanderbilt. Though there's 
those are both going to be really good games for USF. Then they get Utah State. So again, there's a lot of good good teams, good games on this schedule. Um, it's not something that like really jumps out at you, but this is a solid enough schedule. I think that they can they can put themselves in a good position before they get the conference play, and then they're really going to have to actually pick it up. Kind of as I talked uh, last episode about how those. Uh, USF, Santa Clara, and LMU are really going to have to do damage in conference and probably have to to really separate itself from the others if they were to have a shot at getting back to the NCAA tournament, which, I mean, you know, it's not out the realm of possibility for USF to get back there with the players they brought in, with the schedule they have. But I'll say the room for error, the the opportunities, there are a few, and I think there are really good opportunities, but now it's you got to cash in. You got to make sure that you get those games. All right. And then the other schedule that I had mentioned that come out was the St. Mary's schedule. So I think this was one of the better schedules we've seen the Gales have. Um, I, I saw a few people say that this might have been the best uh, St. Mary's schedule they've ever seen. I think it's close. Like I think it's really good. Uh, so they have they'll be hosting both uh, New Mexico and Weber State to start off the start off the campaign. They have San Diego State and then either Xavier and Washington uh, in the Continental Tires Classic down in Vegas. Davidson's going to be coming in. Utah's going to Moraga. They'll be playing Boise State, um, a neutral site. Neutral site. It's still in Idaho. Uh, Colorado State, UNLV, Missouri State, Kent State. So again, like there's a lot of really good um, opponents on here. It, I mean, it's funny. I always looked at this. I think I mentioned it last year. That I've got a heavy, heavy uh, Mountain West uh, schedule on here. New, Mex- New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise, Colorado State. Uh, you got four of them right there. UNLV is a fifth one. So you got like half the Mountain West on your schedule, which that is that's a tough, tough road. Those are the Mountain West plays a rough and rough and tumble style, which is more or less the way St. Mary's plays. At least they had the last few years. I think they're going to play a little bit differently uh, going into this year's style, just based on personnel, I think is going to be different. Uh, but this, it, again, St. Mary's sets itself well, sets itself up well going into uh, this season. A lot of really good games. There's not really that game where you're like, oh, that's kind of like falls flat. Maybe uh, Cleveland State, uh, Northern Con- Northern Kentucky might fall into that category. But Northern Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, who are also, who's also on the schedule, are usually pretty solid programs. Um, I haven't dug too deep onto how they those two programs look going into the year. But again, I think there's a lot of opportunity on that schedule, and there's not and there's not the the bat the quote bad game on there not one that they that this team should not be able to take care of uh so a lot of opportunities to build build the resume there's not like the one wow game at least in my respect my eyes san diego state might maybe you qualify san diego state as that now because they were in the title game a year ago uh but the san diego state's a team that they've been playing for almost very consistently for the last like six seven years so uh not surprising to see San Diego State on there. Like the, I think about last year, they had they got Houston on that schedule uh, late, so that was I think a, that was a really nice feather in the cap to say that you had uh, one of the top teams in the country on that schedule. And again, 
there's plenty of meat on the bone for this with this schedule. And as we as I start to wrap this up, like I I'm we're starting to see all the programs start to actually like get get together. The schedules are almost out. We're almost back to back to the season. Um, it's going to be really exciting to kind of see like as we get closer um, what other uh, ros- not roster moves, but how practices are going to go, how rotations are going to start to be set. Um, again, a lot of moving pieces for a lot of these teams. I'm excited to kind of see how it all starts to shape out, even maybe say like who's go- who picks up a red shirt, who doesn't. Um, and we'll find out all of that as we uh, get closer to the year. All right. Well, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, uh, favorite the the podcast on on your favorite streaming service. Uh, follow me on I'm still saying Twitter for now. Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok at Post by Zach, um, and we'll continue the conversations there. Um, one more time, I want to thank uh, Shante Leggins, head coach at Portland, for for popping in and. Uh, taking some time to talk with me Um, and that'll do it. So again, uh, thanks for watching and uh, I'll catch you next time.